you mind stepping out of the car, ma'am? No, not at all, officer. Some sort of problem? No problem at all. I just wanted to take a quick look at that cute little outfit you have on. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh -uh. <laughs> The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Ben? Hmm. I did it. I finally did it. You skinned him a rink, huh? Saw your skin him a rink. Do, do, do you want to ask me about it? Do you want to talk about it now? Well, let's do yeah. this. Yeah, sure. What'd you think? Well, I saw Infinity Pool today, and that was great. Have you seen oh, Infinity yeah. Pool? Not yet. Oh. I've heard nothing but bad things about Brandon Cronenberg's other movie or movies, so I was It's not good. And, I, and I'm not too psyched about a oh, horror maven named Brandon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't seem very scary to me, but uh, this movie is, I can't even remember what the last movie that he had out was called, but this is leaps and bounds above it. I mean, it is, it really freaked me out and I don't want to say that it's, you know, you don't want to compare him to his dad. It's just not fair, but this has a lot of that mind blowing freaked out stuff that stuff like. Like a lot of that stuff, a lot of his stuff has like Videodrome or, you know, I, I was blown away. Absolutely blown away by this movie. Let me so, ask you something about that movie before we talk about Skin Marink. I keep now I'm seeing stuff about an unrated version versus the rated version. Are you able to see the unrated version or you're seeing an R-rated cut? I don't know what I saw, but what I saw was pretty violent and and near pornographic. And it, it was it was great. You know, it's funny because I saw Us yesterday as part of this series of films that I'm going to see. And it... That wasn't your first time seeing Us, was it? No, it wasn't. But but it was just kind of like... I was like thinking about him. I was like, ah, yeah, I guess he's saying a lot of interesting things. And yeah, I guess he's, you know... And then, and then this comes out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's just overrated. Like, you know, everyone's going on about how he pulls... Uh, about how... Jordan Peele is uncompromising and unflinching. And I'm like, I watched this. I'm like, no, this is uncompromising and unflinching. It is really, really something else. But that's not what you want to talk about. You want to talk about Skinamarink. People well, love this movie. Yeah, not you. Oh, yeah, I had a good time. You know. I'm just all about Infinity Pool. Uh, the, the movie just—it. Uh, I just got got out of it a couple of hours ago. It rearranged my head, man. All right, I'm excited to see it now. Well, I, I don't want you to be too excited. Did, did have you seen his other movies? No. Okay. 
So you go to see Skinnamarink and it's packed and and a couple people left or did everybody leave when you saw it? Well, I was sitting in the second row, so I don't I don't somebody else who was sitting further back said that a few other people left. I only saw the people in the front row leave, which was a blessing. And they shouldn't have been in the movie in the first place. Right. But I I think that most people at least the night I saw Skin and Ring had a set, had an idea of what they were in for. I think yeah. I think word got out that this is not your average horror movie and it is a very experiment. But I still stand by the fact that I've never paid money to see a movie as experimental as this in like a commercial theater, like on a regular theater run. And actually, we showed uh, the one of the last Godard movies at a at like a you know at a multiplex as like a Cinematheque fundraiser. And this uh-huh. I feel was much more experimental and avant garde than the Godard movie. So, I mean, where? Why do they walk out? Is it too too scary or bad? What is it? It's it's nearly plotless. I mean, you are sitting there for over ninety minutes, and you know, in a certain way, there's nothing going on. <laughs> but I have a feeling a lot of people are getting stoned and going to see this movie. Um, I have a feeling a lot of people are stoned all the time. So yeah. you know that that's not a crazy that's a statement to make, right? But. Sure. I think that's probably why people are so into this because they're stoned all the time. But I mean, that was the thing about uh, midnight movies back in the day. People would get high and go see Eraserhead, you know? I mean, people get high I, and go, go see uh, John Wanderers movies. That seems like a terrible idea to me. I know Howard Stern always tells the story about doing LSD and, or dropping acid and seeing um, 2001 and it being like oh. the worst experience of his life. Oh, um, <laughs> really? Yeah, but I mean, I think like fuck, I don't see I Howard as a 2001 guy anyway. So right, uh, but but I think Skinnamarink would have been unbearable if I was stoned. Like I don't know. I think it were really. I wasn't particularly scared. I mean, there is like it's it's intense. And I I what I thought was interesting about Skinnamarink is that although it's plotless, there's nothing going on, and it's basically just a series of almost random images. I was mesmerized by that movie in a way that I haven't been for 90% of the horror movies I've seen for the last 10 years. Well, yes, I I can understand why people would say this is boring, but for me, it was the least boring horror movie I've seen in a long time. I think you get a lot of people going, well, that didn't scare me. I wasn't scared. And sure. Part of me always says, well, I feel sorry for you or, but the other part of me is like, well, that's because you have no imagination. And I think this movie, you need more imagination than most to like really fill in those blanks. And that's something that, you know, would have started with Val Luton cat people. You know, it's, it's all about playing on your fears of the dark. The one thing I should say is they should stop bragging about how much it costs because this movie costs $15,000. (laughs) <laughs> they should say yeah. it costs six hundred dollars. Then maybe yeah. I'd be impressed. I'd be like six hundred bucks. Yeah, that that looks about right. You know what? One of the things I thought was it's kind of like the opening scene in a movie that we talked about at length on our other show, um, The Crazies. It's like the first scene of The Crazies, mm. but extended out to a hundred minutes, and right. somehow sustains that same vibe of like childhood. Like a childhood nightmare. These two kids are like in the middle of something that's way bigger than them. Right. And that's I would, scary I, to me. I would throw into the mix that the opening section of uh, Lost Highway, where mm-hmm. you know the camera just 
disappears into darkness. I always remember being yeah. really, really freaked out by that. And, so, and the opening of Poltergeist. It's, it's, it's basically like a hundred minute version of the first scene in Poltergeist, too. Oh, just staring at a TV for 90 minutes? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> so you ready to see this now, Gabe? No, I got no interest. I got no place for this in my... What about Infinity Pool? I don't know. I don't go to movies. I watched a movie on Netflix the other day. Oh, may I guess? Yes, you can probably guess it. These people. It's called You People. You People. (laughs) Yes, Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy. I watched it. You know, I'm very pro-Eddie Murphy these days. Uh, That acceptance speech or whatever speech he made at the... The Golden Globes Golden a couple Globes? weeks ago. That was brilliant. And and now I, I kind of want to go back and watch every Eddie Murphy movie there is. Well, not every one. I'm, I'm, I'll watch 48 Hours and Trading Places. And all. I saw a movie last night that's nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Do you want to do you want to do this Oscar thing? Oh, should we do it? Should we do an Oscar thing? Let, let's talk about how Gabe feels about these Oscar noms. Gabe? The, How do I the noms and surprises and the snubs. Snubs? I always love people. People Snubs. No one's getting snubbed. You know? Maybe the movie's just not that good. Maybe nope is a nope. Sometimes sure people is. get snubbed. Sure sometimes is. they don't. It, it, not everybody can get nominated, but what do I know? Well, yes. Let's, let's talk about the nominations. But, but, but first, Gabe... Who do we have on the show today? Today we have Gene Ambo. Who who is Gene Ambo? You ask. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's a he's a famous Chicago guy who's a photographer who's been in the scene for decades. For a decades? Did I was gonna say a, a many years? You say in the scene decades. or on the scene? In Both. the scene? Both. I think he's Good. he's made himself a name for himself. He's and, been uh, in on around around. Yes, he's got some legendary pictures in a lot of places, and uh, I didn't know that till recently. He's been in the pit, the photographer's pit. Well, he's been in both pits, I would say. But he has a book out called Heavy Metro, Access All Eras. Uh, It's 40 years of stuff. Um, You got stuff from old shows like Motorhead, Metallica, Iggy Pop. To newer shows, whoever plays newer shows. I mean, I don't know. Who plays new shows? Nobody? Uh, so, oh, yeah. You in, are you guys great, in this book, Scott? Are you in the book? No, but we have a new show that just went on sale today at the Metro. Yeah, that kind of came out out of nowhere. It did come out of nowhere, didn't it? Yes. Metro called and Civil Fest called and we came. Oh, we're coming. Hang on. What's the date? We're coming. February 24th? Is that a Friday? Sounds about right. Did I? Did my eyes see right? Did, is there a very recent guest is going to be appearing with you on stage then? Yes. Now, this, this is something that we can thank uh, the show for, this whole thing happening. Uh, it was Kelly Way's idea uh, to have Shiner featuring our recent guest, Alan Epley. So as soon as that show came out, Kelly was like, you know, you should do a show with local agent Shiner. 
And I was like, what? Like a sort of uh, podcast meets podcast type of thing? Yeah, we can what set up our it? we can set up both gear, both sets of podcast gear in the in the dressing room that night. It, it can be a show. Uh, what, what do you call it? Brought to you. It'd be like when the like when the Facts of Life cast went on different strokes. That's exactly special what it was crossover like. episode. Yeah, yeah, the yes. crossover episode. It's a crossover, crossover concert. Tootie and Arnold What'd together. <laughs> but it's interesting Which, to me that on the about? on the eve of Alan doing a solo tour, he's. Just when he thought he was out, he got pulled back into the Shiner. He got pulled back in. And I, I am sorry about that. But they agreed. So now it's too late. Uh, Heat Death is also on the show. It's going to be a Friday night, February 24th in February. It's going to be a good time. Uh, it's part of Civil Fest, which, Gabe, what does civil mean? Civil disobedience. I, I don't know. What, what's the definition? Chicago Independent venue league okay i thought you were asking me what the word civil meant is that is that a dc franchise or marvel i don't know you know the, um before we get into this oscar thing uh i had another instance of this podcast getting out of control getting oh, bigger than it should be like seeping into my life in ways that I don't want it to. See, I mean, that doesn't happen to you, does it, Gabe? You're not out walking around and somebody goes, hey, Shorty, you're on uh, <laughs> Lifer's podcast, do they? Not in real life. <laughs> I was going to say IRL. Wow, I'm getting old. Yeah. Uh, only on social media, people will mention things like that, but not in real life because I don't know anybody out of here. <laughs> what about you, Gabe? I mean, what about you, Ben? <laughs> Yeah, somebody yelled at me the other night. They said, fuck you, Christina's great. Oh, yeah, good. Said, okay, great, thanks. Oh, that's good. Somebody uh, came up to me. We got a lot of people going, oh, no, circle beard, circle beard. Uh, oh, circle beard. So some guy comes up to me and he goes, oh, uh, what, you got a prison? <laughs> I said, what? He said, a thing, thing around your mouth and you're growing a prison. I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. All right. So, so okay, we got the Oscar nominations. So I thought it'd be interesting if wait, w w what would it be of the Oscar noms? Who we who do think we think will, will win? win? Who do we, who think, we think should win? Right. And also, is this a third category? Who yes. we would have picked that's not on the list of nominees? Right. Who will win? Who should win? And who we wish would have been nominated mm -hmm. and that person that we wish should have been nominated is probably who we really really in the bigger sense wish would win right right so so gabe have you seen these movies do you, you want to play along with this game or you just want to moderate i can moderate i probably haven't seen any of these movies or know any of these actors so okay. i have i have on my screen the list of nominees okay so what do you got what do you got first What's actor your first in a leading actor in a leading role. Yeah. Actor in a leading role. Okay. All right. So uh, this is alphabetical, I believe. All right. Austin a, Butler. Okay. Colin for Elvis. Farrell. Yep. Austin, Austin Butler, Butler for, for Elvis. Elvis. Okay. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of whatever that is. In a Sheeran. Okay. Okay. Brendan Fraser. For the Fraser? whale. The whale. Uh huh. Your favorite Paul, movie. Paul Mescal. After Sun. Is it Mescal or is it Mescal? 
Who knows? Ben, do you know? I like Mescal, but I don't okay. know. Mescal. And, and Bill... I'll say this about Paul Mescal or Mescal. Apparently, he was uh, dating uh, Phoebe Bridgers for a while. Maybe they were even engaged to be married. Who knows? There's, there's no place for gossip. Oh, Bill Nighy. Nighy? Bill Nighy. Living. Great, great actor for okay. living. Those is it actors? Nighy or is it just Nye? I thought people just said right. Bill Nye. Do they? Or maybe that's the science guy. Who's that that is the science guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if it's the same person. It's not the same <laughs> person. Okay. Bill Nye. Those are your, those are your candidates, uh, nominees. But, okay. but Gabe, I feel like you've seen, what's that movie that Bill Nye's in? The um, One of those romantic. Uh, maybe definitely. No, not that one. No, 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 no. Love but, Actually. Love Actually. Have you seen Love Actually, Gabe? Is that with Emma Stone? No. I don't know. No, no, no. It's Who earlier knows? than that. It's with Hugh Grant. And it's the Christmas movie with Hugh no, Grant. No, I've never seen it. Never the whole seen it. omnibuses. How is that possible? It's because he doesn't like British people. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay. Actors. <laughs> oh, What's shit. your predictions? We're not talking about Iron Maiden and the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I, I don't think it. they're going to get it. I don't think yeah, they're going right. to get it. So we'll at, talk about it. Let's stick to this. Okay. Yes. So a- actor... Ben, who who would you who do you think's going to win? I, I haven't seen this movie. I don't want to see this movie, but and even though I feel like there's been a lot of backlash, I think that Brendan Fraser is still in it to win it. Wow, you think Brendan Fraser's gonna get it? That's I just who think, I think the mo- will win. Wow, I think the movie's just so bad. I don't think anybody gives a fuck. Think he has a chance to win it. I, I think it's gonna be Colin Farrell. Well, Colin Farrell is my on this list, and I, I know it's crazy. This is the movie I watched last night, Banshees of Inishrin. Oh, yeah? And I What'd really didn't want to watch it because I fucking hate that goddamn billboard movie more than any other movie I've ever seen. Uh-huh. So I, this so this with made that me long the, for the billboard movie. Yeah. Oh, it did? See, I'm the opposite. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, well, it's better oh, yeah. than the billboard movie. No, and, I was like, this makes a billboard movie look like a piece <laughs> oh, no. of fucking... And I'll say that I thought Colin Farrell was pretty interesting in this movie. He was giving me a Colin Farrell that I haven't seen before. So I, I like his performance. I think, he's, I think Colin Farrell's really great. I think... Okay. Uh, if he wins it, I'd be happy. But I think it's still going to be Brendan Fraser. Think think Brendan Fraser. I think Colin Farrell's great in Fright Night. That Fright Night remake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very pro Colin Farrell, and he's really good in this movie. Um, I don't like the movie at all. But I think every performance in the movie is terrific, as yeah. you will soon see. Yeah. We'll okay. So, sure. so Gabe, who do you think will win? I'm just, just going to give it to Brendan. Ba- I'm going to say Brendan Fraser. Okay, that's that's exactly the answer I want. Uh, so next is who do we think should win? Is that what it is next? Yes. Okay. Which I already said Colin Farrell is who I think should. Although. I also love Paul Mescal in that After Sun movie, but I think Colin Farrell gave me. I don't know enough about Paul Mescal to judge this particular performance. I'd like to see Paul Mescal get it. That's who I would pick. But uh, full disclosure, I have not seen Living, and Bill Nighy is one of my favorites. So I wouldn't be surprised if he blows the competition away. But now here's a category that we didn't discuss beforehand, but I feel like we should. Who has no business being on this list, and that is Austin Butler. That oh, Elvis yes. movie is maybe the worst movie ever made. 
and his performance Who is fucking can watch a single scene in that movie <laughs> no. and go yes this is great <laughs> no. i mean uh, uh, it's mind-blowing oh it's terrible okay who would we want to see nominated now this is this category is who who the academy missed that we think should have mm-hmm. been in there instead snubbed. of austin butler who got snubbed yeah who got stubbed snubs yeah well, my vote goes for Christian Bale in Amsterdam. Wow, Christian Bale still, still doing the Christian Bale thing. Did you see Pale Blue Eye? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, my pick for this one is a bit out there because one, I have to say, my favorite performance of the year across the board by anybody is David Lynch uh, at the end of The Fablemans playing John Ford. It, uh, I saw the end of that the other day again, and that makes me happier than just about anything I can think of. But that's not really a that's lead a performance. Lead so if, right. Yeah. So I would have to go with that guy from Speak No Evil, Feja Van Hewitt, the guy who... Uh, See, the bad guy? The, the bad guy. The guy right. who, like, just watching him that entire movie and the way yeah. he keeps turning different screws. Yeah. I, I was just like, this guy's terrifying... Also, that scene when he like brings it back and he's like, oh, this is really disappointing that you guys think I'm this bad guy. I'm just kind of like, oh, he might even trick me here. You know, it's a really good role. And I I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but I have a feeling we're going to see him in a lot. You like that movie. I love that movie. Okay. All right. What's the next category there? All right. Actor in a supporting role. Okay. So you're going to go actor in a supporting role? That's the order that this. Yeah. Oscar okay. nominee list goes. Actor yeah. in a supporting role. Here we right, go. It's got the same okay. order. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inishirin. Ah, nice. nice. Excellent done. pronunciation. I think you just did me, set me up here to see how bad I can read. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. That's nice. Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans. Mm. Barry Keegan, or Kogan, The Banshees of Inishirin. How do you say that, Ben? Is it Keegan? I like that. Keogan. Keegan sounds. Keegan it's like E-trope right. or Zotrope or whatever. Okay. And oh, the last but not least. Maybe it's even Keegan. I don't even know. But Keegan, I like. Huh. Here we go. Ki Hua Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. That's pretty Hua. good. That's pretty good. It's like, that's like Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> so there you go. Actor in supporting role. So who do we think will win? Ben? Ki Hua Kwan will win. You think, think. You, you got him for that, too? I feel I'm, like this I'm movie with you. is going to start steamrolling everything. And so, yeah, this is the start yeah. of it. Yeah. And, 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 you know. He's great. What kind of Scrooge is going to begrudge him up right. there? It would be, be great. As soon as he got up there at the, the Golden Globes, oh, I was. I started crying. I, I was a weepy. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was great. What about you, Gabe? Who do you think is going to win? I don't know any of these people except Judd Hirsch. <laughs> uh, I don't even know who he is. Was he in Taxi? I, I don't know. Yeah, he yes. was in Taxi. Yes. Okay, yes. I'll pick him because I know who he is. You don't know who Kihua Kwan is? <laughs> I know. He, he, he was short round. I don't know what that is. Indiana Jones. I didn't even see those. Any you call them. him Dr. Jones, lady. What about, you, did you see The Goonies? Oh, he was in The Goonies, right. No, I don't see movies. You don't You don't know this guy? You don't know Key? I don't know no. what I don't know what to tell you. You know what? He's not a household name. 
Somebody get moderated. This shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So, who should who win? Who should win? Yeah. Right. You want me to say? I, yeah. Ben. For me, on this list, I think Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, I know you're a fan. I'm going to go with uh, Barry Keegan, Keoghan, and Banshees. I think he's. Sometimes that guy bugs me. He. I think he's oh, great really? every time he's on screen in this movie. I think he's great in every movie ever. I, when he's in that Yorgos whatever the oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Also with the killing Colin of Farrell, a sacred deer. He's terrifying and I like this performance in contrast to that cuz it's a completely different side of him. And you're so happy that you don't see that other side of him. In this yeah, movie. he is great in it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he just scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. He's he's pretty terrific. Yeah. All right, so who do you think should be nominated that didn't get nominated. Oh, first of all, who has no in, no business being in here? I don't Nobody. know that there is one of those in this list. Okay. They're all good. All right. Do you agree with that? Not really, but when I tell you who I think should be nominated, I'll, 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 it will make sense as to why oh. I think that. Okay, I think I'm exactly with you. Because I okay. would have voted for Anthony Hopkins in Armageddon how, time. How is Anthony Hopkins not here? I mean, and he should have the Judd Hirsch slot. Absolutely, absolutely. the Judd Hirsch is uh, pale imitation if, of if, Anthony. If the Hopkins Fablemans and Armageddon time are Deep Impact and Armageddon or All Is Lost and Gravity, right? Judd Hirsch is the Anthony Hopkins, and how anyone could look at the Fablemans and go, Judd Hirsch is better than Anthony Hopkins. It's it's a farce. It's an out and out farce. Yeah, good point. Speaking of farces, what's, what's but the I'll, well, let me pitch. Okay. Let me just let me let me try to counter that with one thing, and I think it goes back to this whole Brendan Fraser thing. Nobody thinks about the Oscars in terms of an actual individual performance most of the time. It's like, come on. And this has to have been the mindset, which is that Anthony Hopkins is nominated for almost everything he does. And when was the last time Judd Hirsch was even within 20 blocks of an Oscar? And so they were like, well, fuck it. Let's give it to Judd Hirsch. Anthony Hopkins doesn't need another nomination. Judd Hirsch would be nice for him to get one. Well, then what's the point of this, Ben? Well, I don't know. What's there the point no of point this? this? What's the point of this? <laughs> this venerable. <laughs> There's no point to this. Venerable. this, this it's yeah. not venerable. It's a bunch of shit. By the way. We're not even, we didn't even talk about this whole crazy bullshit Andrea Riseborough controversy. Like, oh, people aren't allowed to, like, what? Well, we're coming their own up. little campaigns? Fuck well, that. That's coming up. So, okay. yeah. All right. Go, right. go ahead, Gabe. What's Moderator? next? Let's go to actress in a supporting role. Ah, speak of the devil. Not no. actress in a lead role? No. Okay. Here we go. Angela Bassett, Black mm-hmm. Panther. What kind of forever? Hong Chow, the whale. Carrie Condon, the Banshees of Inisherin. Jamie <laughs> Lee. You're getting Degenerate. further away. You're getting further away, but okay. Inisherin. Jamie Lee Curtis, everything, everywhere, all at once. And Stephanie Hsieh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Is that how you say it? I don't know, but it's fun <laughs> listening to you try. <laughs> okay. Hey, there you go. First off, who will win? We, we, we all know who's going to win this, right? Oh, I don't. No. Oh, who do you think is going to win? I, I mean, I think it's going to be Angela Bassett. I think she's oh. got it in the bag. Oh, really? Okay. I wasn't thinking that way at all. And so I sort of, 
I thought Angela Bassett was just a bullshit, like, nobody's really going to vote for her, are they? Okay. Uh, and so for me, it was like the other four. I haven't seen The Whale, so I don't know how effective Hong Chow, she's a great actress. She's terrific in downsizing. And she's terrible in this movie because everybody is terrible in this movie. No one can get in a good performance in this movie. Not even uh, is Emily Watson is in this movie, and even she is terrible in this movie. It's mm. it's actor proof. It's the opposite of the Banshees, like where I'm nobody go... can put in a bad performance. No one can put in a good performance in this movie. Okay, I'm going to put in a vote for the Academy, really trying to do what they can for diversity and fresh faces, and stay, say that Stephanie Sue will win for everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. uh but for me i think the person who should win out of this list is carrie condon in banshees of inisherin for the only reason that i didn't realize until after the movie that she is um mike ermertraud's daughter-in-law in uh better call oh. saul yeah and I always thought she was terrible. I thought she was the weak link in that entire show. I hated every time she was on screen, but I loved her in this. And I was like, okay, well, that's She's great. the strong link in this. Yeah. She's terrific. I, I think she should win as well. She's, she's also my But do you movie. think she will? Oh, you think Angela Bassett will? Win. I think Angela Bassett will win. And I think Carrie Condon should win. For a movie that I think is fucking terrible. Like, it's just full of great performances. Uh, Gabe, who, who do you think will win? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jamie Lee Curtis is going to win. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> Has that she would, won anything? No. She hasn't won anything. That would okay. be great. That would be terrific. But but uh, I don't know. So who isn't nominated that should be nominated? Do you have somebody for this? I do. I, I'm going with Chloe East from The Fablemans. She's the one who plays the girlfriend Oh, who's really into Jesus. Great choice. I think every time she's on screen, she's hilarious. Great, great choice. I couldn't even come up with anyone. I couldn't. I was looking through the, my list of movies that I love this year, and I couldn't. Couldn't come. The, the, I almost was like, well, maybe I should. Maybe I should say Mia Goth is a supporting character in um, X. In X. But yeah. uh, I couldn't do it. And so you're saying. Have we, right. Not a lot of great women. Uh, performances this year? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, in supporting roles. Oh, okay. Gabe? Like actress in a leading role. Actress in a leading role. Okay, this is going to be a good one. All right. Kate Blanchett for Tar. Mm-hmm. Anna Armas, Blonde. Andrea Riseborough, Ted Leslie. Mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. And Michelle Yo. Is that how you say it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. There you go. Do you want to talk about the Andrea Riseborough thing that everyone's pitching about? Or why is that a problem? Like that's what I'm wondering. Don't actors vote for these things anyway? Right. Well, what is wrong with people? This whole, all the studios engage in these complete PR campaigns for their movies, for their stars. They put out full page ads and variety. Who gives a fuck if this was more of a grassroots thing engineered by the director's actress wife? Who cares? Why is that something to investigate? Oh, is that what it was? I I just thought people just dug her performance. I mean, no, they're saying 
they're saying like they they're not nobody's saying like they didn't really dig their perform her performance. They're just saying that her performance was pointed out to them by um the woman who actually played Howard Stern's wife in private parts, who um she's also I oh, really? It's Mary something or other. Oh. Uh, she she reached out to some of her friends and was like, it would be great if you could, if you liked this performance, it would be great if you could tweet about it from now until the time that the nominations, uh, and they and they did. Well, so it's cool to what? have a movie that had no chance getting any, you know, recognition. Now people are asking about it, and I hear it's good. I watched it because I can't it. wait to watch it. Yeah, you did good. a good job. Great. And I thought Andrea Riseborough was good. Andrea Riseborough usually creeps me the fuck out. But... I thought she was funny and very not like herself in Amsterdam. And she's mm. very good in this movie, which is not a great movie, but it's, you know. Okay. It's, it's an actor yeah. showcase. Yes. All right. So do, you don't think she's going to win for Best Actress, though. Who do you think is going to win for Best Actress? I think it. I think this one is a tough one because I think it, it, it could go either way. But I'm going to lean towards Michelle Yao. Ooh. This is a tough one. I mean, I, and I'm not I, saying who should win. I'm saying who will win. Who will win? I mean, yeah, I think Kate Blanchett is gonna win. I think it, it's still hers for the taking. Who should mm. win? I mean, on this list, I think probably. Ed. Now, see, it's weird because I feel funny saying, "Well, Andrew Riseborough really did give the best performance on this list," but. <laughs> But Kate Blanchett was great in Tar, a movie that I didn't love the way you did, but she's fantastic. So she's fantastic. I think, she, I think uh, but I almost think Michelle Yeoh also is the best part of that movie, which is way overpraised and ridiculous. Right. But I yeah. think she she keeps you in, as involved as you are going to be in that movie because she's such a great screen presence. So, I, and it's Michelle Yeoh. I mean, she's so cool. I've gone through, you know, I'm speaking of uh, YouTube. Rabbit hole. YouTube rabbit holes. I've gone to, you know, the Michelle Yao YouTube. Rename YouTube rabbit hole. Uh, YouTube should, should be called I mean, rabbit hole. It's, it's just that, <laughs> of, you know, of her riding a motorcycle on top of a train or just her doing all that Jackie Chan stuff. She, she's great. Kate Blanchett couldn't do that. But the thing is, I think if Kate Blanchett wanted to do that, she could probably figure out how to ride a motorcycle on top of a train. It, it, would, it would take her a second, but she'd figure out how to do it who am i kidding she can do anything she wants kate blanchett will win and kate blanchett should win gabe what about you all right i've been following this person since way back when on dawson's uh, creek uh-huh. but give it to michelle williams <laughs> thoroughbone yeah she's won before right i think she has maybe all right who should have been nominated and it's a, it's a fucking farce that she wasn't nominated Go ahead. You're talking about you. Oh, you're just saying in general, but go ahead. Mia Goth. Mia Goth for Pearl. Uh, Performance of the year behind David Lynch is John Ford. Uh, She's great. And and she's in Infinity Pool and just as terrifying. She's terrific. I would have picked uh, Margot Robbie. In I'll say Amsterdam, but she was great in two movies this year: Amsterdam and Babylon. She and it's ridiculous was that she's a not force of nature in Babylon. I mean that dancing scene. I was like, it was like she was possessed. And that scene where she has to do that scene over and over again, where she drops Beautiful. the suitcase. Perfect. So great. 
Such a great scene, too. Oh, what a great movie. All right, what's yeah, the did. next uh, category there? I don't know. Do you want to go to all the categories or just the big ones? Let's just uh, do director and picture and get Gene on here. Directing. Directing. Here we go. Nominees. Banshee of Inishirin by Martin McDonough. Is that easy? That uh-huh. Everything else were all at once. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sheenert. What was the, what, what was the name? name of that everything movie? everywhere all at once okay is it shinert it must be shinert i think shinert okay you, you know this uh, guy also the fablemans steven spielberg is it spielberg or spielberg <laughs> <laughs> then we got tar with todd field and last but not least triangle of sadness ruben ostland yes good old ruben ostland <laughs> he he's a great director uh, I finally saw that movie recently, too. Oh, yeah. Not as good as The Square, but it's still pretty good. Best director. Who's going to win here? For me, will win and should win uh, is uh, on this list for sure is the Steven Spielberg. Favorites. I think I think you're one and a half right. I, I think he's going to win. I I can't see anybody else taking it from him. I mean, the Daniels, it's it's Stevens. He's he's got to take it. Uh, you, don't think I, your, I, you don't think your guy Todd has a chance? No, but I think he should win. I I, I think uh, he's definitely not on autopilot in this movie. I'm not saying Steven Spielberg is on autopilot, but I also, you know, despite what everyone's saying about it, I. I, I honestly, I don't think he, his work in this movie is better than The Post. You know, it's it's just kind of like this whole story about this is the movie that he never could have made before. I don't know if I buy that. I'll just say this in defense of Steven Spielberg's direction on this film. I think the scene where, um, what's his fuck? Um, uh, the comedian. Seth. Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. Seth Rogen. The scene where Seth Rogen is trying to give the kid camera and he's sort of saying goodbye to him on the street and he kind of gives him this hug I think is a great scene and perfectly mm. directed like very great scene. not autopilot like I think I think whatever he's doing wherever he puts the camera in that scene is like oh this is couldn't have gone any better than this so. yeah and and you know like I said that final scene in the movie is the best scene of the year so you know he I would say he deserves to win it just based on that alone. But let's just say Todd Field. I mean, he's not going to get it. It's going to be Steven Spielberg. Right. So who has no business in this category, Ben? Well, that's, I mean, that's, there's more than one (laughs) for this thing, but certainly Martin McDonough. Get the fuck Jesus Christ. Wow. Unbelievable. Gabe, who do you want to win in this director category? Uh, I just say Steven Spielberg, but by the time you get to this part of the show, it's just like the last couple of, uh, you know, awards and they're all the same people. They're all the same movie. So who's going to clean up at the end? I don't, I don't know. That's not always happening. Like, I, I don't think director it's, and best picture are going to be the same this year. It used well, to always they, be that way. Yeah. It used to always be that way, but it's been splitting a lot lately. Once they, they sort of changed their system of voting. And it's been splitting. It's been going to shit movies like Green Book and, and, and things like that. All right. So 
Who's on? Who's not on this list that should be Scott? Uh, I, you know, we talk about snubs, but I think the one of the snubs of this entire thing is the snub of Babylon and Damien Chazelle. That is a snub. There is a definite reason why he is not on this list, and the movie's not on this list, and the actors and actresses aren't on this list because they definitely want to say, you know, this movie sucks, and it doesn't suck. Uh, I mean, D- Damien Chazelle directs the fuck out of that movie his big sin is he's not a great writer but he is a great director and i think if he were on this list i would say that he deserves to win you know but that is a snub that is an out and out message from the academy like fuck you damien chazelle yeah i i think that's a really great pick mine is uh, i'm just going to you know, ride this thing out. Uh, James Gray for Armageddon Time, a guy whose movies I don't usually love. This one I loved. I thought he couldn't have possibly done a better job with this. And so I can't believe that the, you know, the shutout that that movie has like experienced everywhere. I I, I honestly thought that it would give the Fablemans a run for its money. I mean, the Fablemans is not that much better than Armageddon Time is what I'm trying to say. Here's and we're not going to get to all these categories, so we're not going to see how insane this is. The fact that that fucking Elvis movie has more nominations than Armageddon Time is just like don't even have the show. Fuck this. Forget it's the rid- fucking. <laughs> it's ridiculous. All Quiet on the Western Front. Who the fuck wanted that? Who has seen that movie? And who who wants to see that movie? Even if you've seen it, did you want to see it? Nobody <laughs> wanted to see that movie. Is that a remake? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess. All right. Let's go to the best picture before Gabe falls asleep. I'm not going to fall asleep, but listen, what what happened a couple years back when they announced the wrong winner? What was that? They, they announced La La Land and it turned out to be, uh, how, how can that, that happen? Movie? Moonlight? Is that Moon, the name Moonlight. of the Moonlight. Yes. Yeah. I almost uh, said Moonlighting. Whose fault was that, by the way? Warren Beatty's I, fault. He, he announced it bad? He announced, <laughs> he announced the wrong one. Was he high? Warren Beatty announced bad. He's old. Bad. <laughs> Warren anyway. Beatty announced bad. Now Werewolf. Werewolf. Okay. Best picture. I'm not going to read the producer's names. I'm just going to say the film. Right. Oh, please. Do you? Do I need no, to? No, just do, just do the film. I'll quiet on the Western Front. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Avatar, The Way of Water. Jesus Christ. The Banshees of Inishirin. <sighs> this Elvis. is crazy Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm, people like it. The Fablemans. Yeah. Tar with the umlaut on the top, whatever that is. That's not an umlaut. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Top Gun Maverick. With the sideways umlaut. Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. And Woman Talking. Women, Women Talking. talking. I mean, the amount of just, movies that has no cut. business. Well, that's what I was going to, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a crazy amount of movies that have no business being on this list, but I'm just going to call it as I see it right now. Women talking is the one that has the least amount of business being on this fucking list. <laughs> what a piece of shit that fucking movie was. I, I, I don't know. I mean, All Quiet on the Western Front is absolutely ridiculous. I can't believe I'm looking at it. But yeah, we, People are like, have you seen women talking? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I have seen it. 
Yeah. Well, was it good? The, well, the thing about every other bad movie. There are women talking. Here's the thing. Every other bad movie on this list, I understand it's doing what it is supposed to do as far as the makers of the movie are concerned. Avatar is Avatar. Banshees of Inner is exactly what that asshole wants to do. Uh, Top Gun Maverick does exactly what it thinks it wants to do. Right. It thinks Women it wants ta- to Women talking do. doesn't come, I don't think it comes anywhere near what it thinks it's trying to do. I don't know. Well, I, I'm a big Sarah Pauly fan mm-hmm. and I was uh, uh, underwhelmed. I mean, it, and I don't even feel right saying I didn't I like women talking because, I know. you know, you can take that out of context. Scott doesn't like women talking. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's true. Well, if there was so, a list of I was, there was a list of ugliest movies that got put out this year, looking ugliest looking movies, it's women talking. These assholes who are afraid to actually make a movie in black and white so they drain 98% of the color out of the frame should really not be allowed to make movies anymore. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think we should be talking about this. All right, so best picture. <laughs> what do we think's going to win? Ben. I think what will win is everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow. Okay. I... I don't know. I, I think it's going to be the Fablemans. I I just feel this train happening for the Fablemans. That Do you? It, yeah. You're feeling I, that? Okay. I am. I, uh, I mean, what, I, where, where, how, what, where have you been feeling that? On the streets? Have you been other award shows? <laughs> What's going on? Other award shows. Oh, okay. People's reaction. Just the people in the industry that just seem to just, just are want to give it to Steven Spielberg and want to reward him for this movie. I don't know. Just, just been a narrative that's been building up, starting with the interviews that Spielberg has been giving. And like, this is the movie I've always wanted to make and never had the guts, which is, <laughs> I don't know if I buy any of it, but I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it was everything everywhere all at once. I, I also, wouldn't really be crazy surprised if it was Banshees of Inishirin. I mean, a couple oh months God. ago, if you'd He's asked me, I would have said that's the movie that's going to win. Well, I mean, I can't argue with you. I was like, there's absolutely no way in the world that that Billboards movie is going to win. And then it <laughs> fucking won. People so. like his brand of bullshit. I mean, th- this list is just ridiculous, though. Who's the star? This of list is ridiculous, movie? but there's there's at least two, maybe even three movies that I think are better than everything, everywhere, at all at once. Oh yeah, Triangle of Sadness, Tar, better. The Fablemans is better. Yeah. 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 And but, I actually, yeah. I'll also just, I'll admit it. I enjoyed Avatar, and I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick more than I enjoyed Everything Everywhere All at Once. I can't believe I know you weren't m- bored out of your mind. I, I mean, I was less bored during Women Talking than I was during Avatar. And that's the truth. That's the goddamn truth. You know what I hate more than Women Talking? Blue people talking. I, I, I can't do it. Can't do it. What, what's with all the hissing? That movie sucks. <laughs> 
Gabe, who do you think is going to win Best Picture? I'm going to say that everything, everywhere, all at once, just because I'm hearing this, I'm hearing the ground swell for this, and they're going to come in and swoop in and take all the last of the three or four awards of the night. Are you going to see this? No, I'm not going to see any of these movies. Until <laughs> so they come to Netflix. And then maybe. Yeah, but then, but will you see it then? Probably not. Okay, who should win? Personally, on this list, I would vote for Fableman's. And then I might even vote for Triangle Sadness before I voted for everything all at once. And I understand Tar has its advocates. I think Tar should win. I, I, I love Tar. And as far as the movie that I think should be on here that isn't, it's Babylon. It, I mean, never mind the fact that I like Babylon a lot. It's the fact that that movie is made for stupid lists like this and stupid shows like this. And for them to say, no, not you, but yes to Elvis, it's a slap in the face. Yeah. Right. And if it's something about Damien Chazelle that's rubbing people the wrong way, how is it that they, how do they survive Boz Lorman? I mean, what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. Like, Damien Chazelle has, when people are like, you know, Babylon is just, it's just uh, over the top and gross and, 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 you know, and I'm just yeah. like, have you seen one frame of Elvis? I mean, you I want to talk about to, gauche. We, were, we actually, we've, Katie and I have been watching Elvis like over the course of the last three months, like five minutes at a time. That's all we can take. And I yeah. turned to her tonight and I said, Two things, like in rapid succession, just as they hit me. Has anyone ever looked less like Elvis Presley than this fucking asshole? And has there ever been a worse performance in the history of movies than Tom Hanks in this movie? Why is that guy still talking like Elvis? <laughs> I don't know. What is going on here? <sighs> All right, well, Gabe, thanks for doing this. All right. You were a great till, moderator. Till, till next year. Until next year. Well, no, and that now we gotta we gotta see who actually wins. When is that? Is it in March? I don't know. Oh God, is it that? Yeah, is it that far away? I think you're All right. right. So I think it's usually we'll, in March. We'll, we'll remember what we picked and who we think should win, and then we'll have one more shot to to change it up before, and and we'll see who 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 wins. We'll do a whole thing, and then Gabe. Now I guess uh, we should talk about Iron Maiden and the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yes. sorry, we don't have any time. Hey, oh, everybody, it's hey, Gene hey, Ambo. Hey. Gene, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. So let's get this out of the way right away. There's no reason to belabor this. There shouldn't be much doubt in anybody's mind. Iron Maiden or The Replacements? Pardon me? <laughs> Iron Maiden or The Replacements? Who's better? Oh, oh, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, okay. And I, I, I am a huge Tommy Stinson fan, so. Oh, you are? Okay, well, that's yeah. good. Th that gives in other a words, In other words, you have room for both bands in your life. I am not afraid. That's good, because Gabe is definitely afraid. He doesn't have any room for replacements in his life. We've been trying, but n nothing. No, I'm although I actually haven't listened to a Maiden record honestly in probably decades, so I probably, if I had the choice right now, it'd box. It would probably shut up, be Gabe. Point flip. 
Coin flip. Well, okay. I was born and raised with metal, so. Understood. Hmm. All right. So it could be replacements. It, you never know, depending on what we're what's being served. You know, that's <laughs> where right. Where we at? You know. So where'd you grow up? Uh, Chicago uptown. Yeah. Uptown neighborhood. And just uh, were you going to a lot of shows at the Whale or, or something? Uh, no, actually, I could probably count the times going to the Whale on you know two hands. But uh, I, most of the time I spent was probably at like Medusa's and Metro and uh, Dreamers and uh, let me think, you know, Avalon. Right, right. One of the first shows were Tuts. The first show I ever snuck into was at Jamie's Elsewhere, seeing. Bohemia, uh-huh. back in the day on Clark Street, and uh, you know that whole uh, off Broadway, early super old Chicago rock thing was, you know, the Newtown thing back then. So what what got you into photography? Uh, a friend of mine and uh, I was living in the East Coast with my dad for a little while, and he had cameras laying around. He was a photographer. And a friend of mine was taking a photography class and, you know, just uh, hanging out, smoking. And he was showing me some stuff in a dark room. And I thought it was really interesting. And he and I were going to shows together. So I borrowed one of my dad's cameras and uh, shot my first show at uh, out there in, uh, you know, Maryland, it was. And uh I did not know what I was doing. I had no idea. I just took a camera and some Walgreens film. And, you know, my dad dropped me off by myself. And I got there and there was this big sign, no cameras, you know. (laughs) So I had to crotch my camera, take it apart. And that was the first, like, stealth experience. So, Do you remember what band that was? Judas Priest, uh, Scream for Vengeance with Iron Maiden opening up. (laughs) He never forget. <laughs> never forget. So, I mean, do you still have any of those photos? I, I have the negatives. Uh, well, you know, I, I would have to really look. I think I have the negatives. Uh, I've had a lot of things disappear throughout the years, a lot of moving and um, just various things, you know, so. Right. Well, were you able to use those photos for a zine or something? Did anybody oh, no, ever those see those? Were just me going to a show as a kid with my camera for the first time. I mean, you know, if you look at the photos, they probably look like <laughs> most people's photos back then, just little white specks <laughs> right. and this big dark thing. And, you know, if you were, it, it pretty much looked like light cans in a dark. So it, there was no imaging going on there whatsoever it was just me sneaking a camera in <laughs> right <laughs> you know? but, but that gave you the bug yeah and I, you know i i was a magazine i grew up looking at magazines and looking at album covers uh it was a big thing for me i would get albums and just stare at the covers and listen to the songs and you know just check stuff out visually and and i was always in magazines and posters i had them taped to my locker you know, pictures of band guys and right. girls or whatever, you know. Yeah. So my room had posters of the kid. So, you know, that kind of gave me a little idea. Maybe I should, you know, shoot my own, you know. And 
Right. Were there photographers that you were gravitating towards that you started to notice their names popping up? I, I do remember. Well, obviously, Paul Nacken, you know, uh, once I got back to Chicago, was, you know, known. Yeah. After a while, I you know knew about Paul. But I remember I was really into Led Zeppelin and Neil Preston was doing and Neil Slozauer also was doing a lot of work. But I remember uh, some about Neil Preston's photos just made them pop. Uh, a little more to me. They just looked more how I wanted to see my rock stars in magazines, you know, and that's, I, I really uh, admired his style and how he worked. And I actually shot with him once and uh, saw he did things completely different than I did. You know, he was yeah. using super giant lenses from really far away. And he was, you know, had super intense shooting far away gear and uh i was you know at the time i thought you had to be close you know and so he, ch he changed a lot of things for me so uh, what was the first band you photographed at metro that was a uh, motorhead actually oh, my um, God. so my uh my neighbor at the time was working with shanahan and this guy jim mcnamara and they, he is the owner of Town Hall Pub and, coincidentally, the owner of the building Liars Club. Right, yeah. <laughs> and Bill was booking shows, and one of his first shows, he did a David Crosby show, and then he did a Motorhead show. And he knew that I was in a Motorhead, so he invited me to come and check it out and kind of gave me free reign to run around. And that was pretty much my first time uh, going there and really checking stuff out. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I had, uh, you know, a roll of film from Walgreens. I think I had, you know, 12 exposure roll. And, you know, I was more worried about beer and getting my T-shirt signed <laughs> and getting a picture next to Lemmy than anything, you know. Yeah. I was not thinking about taking, you know, I just had a camera. I wasn't really pursuing photography or anything like that, you know. Well, they didn't have a photo pit back then, did they? They no, they didn't have anything. I mean, they were, uh, you know, it was a very sparse place. It was really dark, you know, because they didn't have much of a light rig, and uh, you know, the stage is always black. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was really challenging. But I remember doing, uh, you know, the, the advantage of that was I knew Bill, and he let me go backstage, so I got to go backstage before the show, and those guys were just kind of hanging out, you know, so. And that's, you know, I took a few photos of those guys hanging out and I realized that that wasn't Fast Eddie and they were right. not really <laughs> digging Brian Robertson so much. So in the photos, as you look back, they're kind of pushing them away. And uh, it, it was it was just a different time. You right. know, they're, wearing, they're wearing these really tight gym shorts and it was you wow. know, yeah, interesting. So Lemmy's wearing gym shorts. Uh, like really tight, yeah, gym shorts. Right, he didn't wear that on stage, his, did he? He's known for his short summer attire, cowboy <laughs> boots, and like ball draggers and <laughs> ball draggers. So, at what point do you think that you can do this not for a living, but just get paid for it? And, and um, well, Johnny Z uh, kind of helped. I, I um, because of Bill once again, he was telling me about Metallica and. He gave me the Kill 'Em All record, and I remember bringing it home, riding my bike home, putting it on a turntable, thinking, "Man, these guys 
these guys are not from here. You know, yeah. these are different. And uh, they were doing a show in Baltimore a few days before. And he goes, hey, how about going out there and checking it out? I go, I'd love to. So he goes, here's a train ticket and a six pack. He goes, go out there and tell me what I should do about security before they get here. And I, you know, <clears throat> he didn't really know what to expect. So I came back and and that was the first run. And because of that, I met their manager, Johnny Z. Mm. And uh, I took a few photos and I sent them to Johnny and Johnny loved the photos. They weren't really that good, but Johnny just loved them. And a couple weeks later, I got a call about doing some photos for Anthrax. And, and then things just started working out like that, you know. You're not only shooting stuff in Chicago. You're starting to like go all over the place here. Well, at the time, you know, we, we traveled to go see bands like uh, like when Merciful Fate would come to Chicago, we wouldn't just see it here. Yeah. You know, we've been waiting for this fucking band to come around. We went to Milwaukee. We went to Detroit. We went <laughs> everywhere we could drive within reason if we had enough people in a somebody with a working car, you know. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't weird for six of us to pile in a car with five bucks each and drive to Ohio, you know. And a lot of breakdowns and a lot of hitchhiking. But, you know, that was just part of the, you know, back then you were kind of, Fearless, it didn't matter. You know, you had beer and a leather jacket and all your friends, you know. So Right. So who are these photos going to that you're you're taking of, of Anthony? So Johnny, I, I I would give a couple to Johnny and he would just use them for fanzines and stuff. You know, Metallica, nobody knew who they were. Uh they were there was no MTV at the time and there was so everything was a lot of fanzines and uh, magazines and demo tapes still back then. You know, we were all, you know, this guy Seth was a local guy. He's the guy who kind of introduced us into some of the thrash bands that were a little more obscure, like Death Angel at the time and Exodus and uh, those guys, Violence. You know, they were out in the Bay Area doing their own thing for years. And Seth kind of tapped into that with the little tape trading deal, you know. Right. And he was trading with guys in Europe which was really cool. So we were getting like live merciful fade shows and metal church in Seattle. And you know, that, that really expanded things a lot, you know, for the metal part. So, I mean, when did you start working with, you worked with cream and uh, Kerrang here in the U S so I started. Yeah. So after a while I was working with a lot of Johnny's bands and they were, you know, they gave me money for film now, so I had more money to shoot with, and I was shooting more. And they weren't really paying me. I had to get paid by selling photos. So I was selling, sending photos to the magazines. And back then, I would have to go to, like, Crocs and Brentano's, whatever, and sit there and write down all these publishers and editors and all this shit and then phone numbers and then I'd go to work and use the work phone to call people in Europe and and everywhere and um, you know it was back then it was really expensive to make phone calls yeah. you know, to people. <laughs> and uh, I got in a lot of trouble at work nobody knew what was <laughs> you know but and that's how that started so I would I'd start sending out photos and all of a sudden I'd get a you know, come home and check my mailbox, and there's like three magazines stuffed with my pictures in it. 
And then like, you know, six months later, I'd get these checks, you know. Oh, you had no idea that they were going to be used until you actually saw them. Sometimes, right. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, many times. You never knew until the magazine came out. You you know, there was no internet. There was no, uh, you know, super fast email for just me that they told me what was happening. You know, it was... It was you were mailing stuff. There was no emails. You were mailing shit. It was a lot of FedEx, a lot of DHL. We were mailing them. Were you mailing them negatives or prints? It was slides. Everything was slides, and that was the other thing. Like, and that's why I really uh, cream really. uh, When I sent cream a folder of photos, the guy actually called me from Detroit, and he really liked the fact that I knew how to focus. And he told me that, like, you know, out of the 20 shots that I had sent him, he was going to run five of them on his next issue. And he just said, uh, you know, from now on, whatever you want, just tell him you're doing it for us. And I just immediately go, oh, well, can you send me some of those boy howdy beers? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he goes, yeah, man, we'll send you a, a bunch. And he sent me this envelope and they're they're stickers, you know. Yeah. They're yeah. not real beer. No. no. <laughs> no not. But so uh, after that, then I got to shoot like almost anybody I wanted to at the time. So I was, you know, that's when I would start asking to shoot like Bob Seeger and Fleetwood Mac and Madonna and the BC Boys because those were the people that were a little more commercial and those were the people Cream was selling and their publicists one of those guys in these magazines and they were using my shots, so it kind of worked out like where, that. Where were you shooting Fleetwood Mac at? Rosemont was the time. I've only done them once because since then they have all this contractual stuff and Cream's not around anymore. So, uh, I mean, I shot tons of bands for Cream. I mean, at Ro- I shot Prince at Rosemont for Cream. Okay, all right, okay. And right. Yeah, I've shot tons. Of- so were you were you uh, sending photos into Circus and Hit Parader, or? I sent photos to everybody. I would go to, the, to uh, the FedEx guy would come to my door after I shoot a show and I'd have five or six different envelopes going to five or six different places, all of photos from that one show. And yeah. it depended uh, who it was, how much I could afford to shoot, who got what, you know, and obviously the ones that paid the most got the best shots because I needed <laughs> the money. Unfortunately, those were mostly in Europe and European magazines ran much faster than American magazines. European magazines were running every week, mm-hmm. every two weeks. American magazines were running every three months. So, you know, the math to send it to Europe was very easy for me. What are the names of some of those European magazines? Oh, Enfer was France. Metal Hammer ran editions in Germany, uh, Germany, UK, Spain, Portugal, Poland, Kerrang, Q. Um, There was a whole bunch of magazines that were under kind of the publishing house that Kerrang and Emat Metro ran. Uh, I can't, Sounds. Sounds oh, yeah. magazines. I mean, when you go to Europe uh, and you look at a, a train station and you look at the magazine rack, it's just huge. It's, you know, music's still alive there. Here it's a little different, you know, yeah. at least that stuff, you know, so. 
But I, I was reading somewhere that you said that uh, music magazines didn't like the white columns at Metro. Well, I didn't want to have them because it made uh, it, it bounced that big white light off and it made them look like they were in a little room. Uh-huh. <laughs> it looked like a theater instead of like this big concert hall. And publicists want to see their bands in these big rooms with big light rigs. And, you know, uh, that wasn't really. So I really avoided those columns for long periods of time. You know, they yeah. were, yeah, very reflective, you know. What what tour did you shoot Prince on? Oh, uh, whatever one he played at Rosemont in the 80s. I'd have to look. I mean, um, was that the one where he was in a round love sexy stage. tour? I, I watched about four songs of it, you know, and, and, you know, that was that, you know, but. Sounds like Sign of the Times. I, if you I had a car on know. stage. I, I wouldn't know. All right. You know, All just, right. Well, let's talk about some ones you would know. This is not my thing. Let's stick with replacements and Iron Maiden. Okay. All right, Gabe, jump in at any point here. You know, come on, man. Listen. Listen. I ran a a small fanzine myself. Which is why we would love to hear what you have to say about this rather than you sitting over there eating pizza. You're saying Gene didn't send you pictures for... uh, No, no. What I did, how I networked is I, I, I talked with other people that went to shows and took pictures and just traded pictures. I would send them mine. They would send me theirs, and I, I ran my little zine, and I would just use a, you know, Kinkos to make my zine, or, and then I moved up to have it offset printed. But uh, did you do any of that where, where you were, like, networking and just learning, you know, getting pictures from other people, or are you just basically doing it because you love the photography? I just did it for my for, for me, you know, pretty much. I, I kind of went to shows kind of with the attitude of documenting that, that, that event and kind of documented as I saw it in the magazines I used to look at. So I tried that. I didn't have a lot of crowd atmospheric shots. I focused on the artist and, you know, that was kind of the direction I went in, you know, artistically. I I actually had one of your photos come across my feed on Instagram the other day, and I didn't know it was you. I didn't know you were going to be on the show. But the, the picture of Glenn dancing with the blood, please. I mean, yeah, that was the, uh, the corn, <laughs> corn star show. Yeah, that was like, um, you know, uh, they they were up in the upstairs little room. And uh, I think by that time I had shot Glenn once before and he knew that I knew Metallica and he knew that my photos were started getting around. And I remember they were uh Getting ready, I didn't know what was going to happen with the whole blood thing, and uh, it kind of was a surprise. But I remember thinking that was really important to get, uh, and it really sucked getting it because you can imagine what that crowd is like when that shit's going on. Okay, you know, you were in the crowd. Excuse me. You were in the crowd when that happened, or you were? Oh yeah, I had to drag a chair in that fucker and stand on it because, you know, I, I'm a little Asian guy, and there was all these dudes, that, you know, dancing to the music, and you know, it was full full on Sam Hain at that time. So you know, it was the encore. People were not timid; they were getting up on it, and it was really hard to get in there and pull out a good long lens and kind of get that shot but it is it is a favorite 
Yeah, that's that's an iconic photo. I mean, I I saw that picture. I actually copied it. I, I forwarded it to a, our buddy Matt Garcia. We're big Danzig fans, and it's just like that picture is just so iconic. I, I mean, I don't even know of any other picture of Sam Hain that would even stand up to that picture. That's like legendary. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I love it. it. It came out great, and it's uh, kind of probably one of the better shots I had of him, you know, so. What was bloodier, that show or the uh, Iggy Pop show? Well, the Iggy show was authentic blood. That was very, <laughs> that was like a real, like one of those Seal 6 wet shows, you know, that was... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember, if you remember the Aragon, the buckets of beer days, they used to have these popcorn buckets of beer, and they would just, it would be a just a waterfall of old style or whatever it was <laughs> down the stairs and just a slide. The Metro was like that at that show, but it was almost the stairs. I just remember looking at drops of blood all over the stairs from them dragging these guys out. Yeah, a yeah. lot of really hot, a lot of beer. I just remember Bill Sikowitz coming down the stairs with two guys in his arms, and they were just, everybody was just kind of pink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who had the idea to uh, do the, the uh, Metro book? Uh, that kind of started with a, uh, I wanted to do a kind of a, benefit because Kelly Way is a real animal rights advocate. She's always mm -hmm. doing all this animal stuff. So I wanted to donate a bunch of prints and kind of donate a little money to her cause. And that was right before all the COVID had come out. And then I had to leave town and do some stuff. And I came back and, uh, you know, that idea kind of fizzled. And then my friend Jeremy had talked about making a book and then I, I just thought, well, maybe I should do that instead of like a gallery print thing. And it's I thought, well, maybe I can do a small Metro book. And I kind of talked to Joe about it and he thought it would be cool. So, you know, between Joe, Jeremy and I, we kind of, you know, Joe's like, well, whatever you think, you know, Joe kind of just left it up to, to me. And I just told Jeremy, I think this would be, you know, what I think we should do. And uh, and that's just kind of how it started taking off. And he's like, well, you know, what do you need? And I just started scanning the archives and I didn't really realize how much time I had spent there. Uh, yeah. So I really got into it. And the book doesn't have all the bands I shot there. It's just got the ones that I considered more on the heavier rock side and a little more um out there not so amazing there's no tim buck three in there you know so um <laughs> but there's a lot of other stuff like that uh that weren't included in the book well so what are the best ones what are the best shows that are in that book like the like okay, well, let's give the top five best ones for me personally yeah, for you for you I mean, for me the metallica is always stand out because to me it's just a you know, it, it's almost like us versus them. They try to wear out their crowd every show. You know, it, I mean, no matter how much a fan you are, you just feel like you're kind of beat down because they play really long, grueling, heavy sets. Uh, uh, suicidal um, was great. 
Uh, obviously, Sam mm-hmm. Haynes suicidal. The Faith No More shows were just, you know, incredible. Uh, Bad Brains comes to mind. Corrosion, uh, DRI, oh. Corrosion, The Conformity, all the Corrosion shows, especially the very first ones, were really special. They weren't super crowded. Um, GBH, you know. Uh, GBA yeah. exploited. Those shows were really, you know, <laughs> just so much energy. You know, it was. G- yeah. Do you concur? I've been to a few of those shows that you're talking about, but uh, yeah, you'd, you'd leave the metro a different person when than when you got there <laughs> after some of those shows. <laughs> I think some of the, the coolest things I, I really did I liked about the metro is you know I I was a metal guy and I. Going to the Sunday matinees was where a lot of the metal guys got to interact with a lot of the hardcore and the punk kids. You know, everybody, there was a lot of crossover. You had Out of Order playing with E-Trope and, you know, Uh... opening up for like verbal abuse or something. And it was just a lot of good crossover, good camaraderie going on. It, It didn't matter. You know, beer was beer. It all tasted cold on a hot day. So... Everybody hanging out in the alley or roaming the neighborhood waiting for the shows. It was just a really good, a good time back then to be around there. Yeah. Be Bear, the Wrigleyville Tap. You know, we couldn't yeah. even go in there, but, you know, it was just the whole, that whole vibe around there was just great, you know. So you bring up a good point uh, about E-Trope. Uh, <laughs> is it E-Trope or Zoetrope? I, I, I've always pronounced it E-Trope. So, so, so Zoe, why is it Zoe trope <laughs> with uh, Francis Ford Coppola and and Apocalypse Now? It's American Zoe trope. Um, I, you know, I don't because that's the way Barry Stern wants it. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. You'd have to ask those guys. You but know? where where did he come up with it? I still I cannot figure it out. I mean, I know it's E trope. I know that's what they say. But we've had this conversation on this podcast many times like <laughs> how and when and why where does martin scorsese come into this you know uh, oh, nice pronunciation right there yeah 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 when did he become scorsese instead of scorsese yeah oh you know tomato, great, tomato where are we it's going it's <laughs> a great question i you but you guys made me think that this is what happened with e-trope is that they liked the way the name looked but people had trouble pronouncing it, so early on they were just like, just call us E-Trope. Don't worry about the Z and the O. <laughs> Where did the O go? Just went. Just like, whatever. Fuck it. I don't know. I think on the record it actually says with the silent Z, but it doesn't say the O is missing either. Is it it's like... Z-O. Yeah, the Z-O. It's... Is it like enophiles? You know, have you heard, you know that word enophile? There's somebody who's like, who's a, who's a crazy wine fanatic. It's O E. Does it have a silent O? Yeah, it does. Enophile. Hmm. This is a mystery. A struggle. It it is a struggle. Do you still shoot on film? Uh, No, but I'm actually uh, going back to doing that because now it's a lot cheaper because you can shoot uh, neg film, process it for a couple bucks, and then I can scan it, which is uh, something I kind of want to get back into. I'm manipulating 
negatives with heat and chemicals and you know messing with scratching stuff and just playing with things yeah. a little digital gets so uh-huh. same in my <laughs> mind it's just i was one of the last guys to switch over i didn't go digital until 2005 and it was expensive and you know slow but it had to happen unfortunately yeah. so what was the last show you shot i was in mexico city shooting a, a, a mexican metal fest in monterey mexico on the 28th of uh of september oh yeah Is that the pantera show uh no it was the one it was uh hellhammer uh right <laughs> the one right before i was down there working with the the guys in broken hope shooting those guys for a couple days so good time and before that here the last one was scorpions at rosemont uh Scorpions. Great, great show. Is that going to be the last, last Scorpions show? Do you believe it? it? Klaus, Klaus still has it, man. The guy can still put it out there. I mean, Ozzy's, Ozzy's done, and that's, that's I mean. kind of a shame because, uh, I mean, he, he, no matter how sluggish he looked all day long, shuffling around the area, by the time he got on that stage, he was like a teenage kid again. I don't know how he did it. Uh, but it'll be, it'll suck to, you know, not, not know he's going to be out again. And yeah, end of a big, you know, of an era, you know, it's, totally. It's not going to go down well around, around my house. That was, uh, that was a game changer. Saw Blizzard of Oz at the Aragon and Motorhead opened up wow. and I went to see Randy. Mm-hmm. You know, stood in the line in the alley for like two days, did acid, hung out. It was all about Ozzy and Randy. And there was these group of guys up front, the motor headbanger guys. Didn't really know yet. And then I then then I saw then Motorhead came out. Uh-huh. On the Ace of Spades and Filthy opened up the set with the double bass with the jaw teeth, you know. And and that just Randy, who you know, that <laughs> it all that changed everything for me right then and there. Yeah, you know, Ozzy had a lot of balls with the bands that he would have open up for him. He 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 like he didn't he didn't he didn't scare easily. Dude, he took Metallic out. Yeah. Not many people, only people that can do shit like that are like Slayer. You know, it's right. you know, there's not not much. Uh, there's not much left over after they play, especially when they did the damage, the uh, Master of Puppets tour. Yeah. I mean, that was probably one of their most legendary albums. And uh, Ozzy had to come out every night after that with, I don't know, whoever he was with. Whoever he was with was not as heavy and probably had very fluffy hair. So, <laughs> Oh, were you at the Metro when uh, uh, Metallica made their return? I, yep, I saw him. I ran into a actually ran into Lars the night after at the Green Day show. We you know caught up for a second and uh, great guys still, man. They still they still put it out and still return. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So what's next for you? Um, I actually have a broken ankle, so I've been in recovery and I have another surgery coming up in uh, about a month. So. Uh, the winter's been really mellow. I've been catching up on all my YouTube and, uh, you know, um, just waiting for that and see what's see what happens after that. You know, you watching any TV shows? Uh, I was watching uh, Boardwalk Empire. 
Oh, wow. And I've been watching a lot of YouTube because, you know, I plug the TV into the stereo and you play one video and MTV or whatever it is, YouTube just kind of takes over your life and mm-hmm. starts feeding you all this other stuff. So it, it's it, some of it's good. Some of it's a lot of commercial skipping, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I went down to Bernie Mac uh, YouTube hole the other day. It uh, really I, uh, affected my day. I've been into the Bobby Lees, and uh, uh, I've been stuck in a Bobby Lees. It started with big business, and it slipped into the Bobby Lees. And um, I, I liked the new smashing video. I thought that was really interesting. The beguiled, it, it's uh, uh-huh. great sound. They sounded really great at the Metro. With the Metro's new sound system, it was really great. Yeah. It's not, upstairs sounds better now than it did before. It, it sounds really good. Sounded, sounded just so much clearer. It, you, you could hear everything. It was. I just like the room seems a lot more open and freer because they don't have that the big columns. black wall of PA in the front just suffocating the you know visual and and the sound. <laughs> right, that's so, got to be definitely good for you. Yeah, it's um, it's. Well, I've only seen a couple shows there. So it just sounded so much better, you know. If I can, I try to shoot from the soundboard when I'm there. Oh, it's the best. It's the yeah. best place to see the show, too. Yeah, it's it's hard. You have to have lenses and stay out of everybody's way. And there's always some asshole with his phone. But you know, it's 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 what it is. And you know, how is that? Even being in the pitch, getting nasal shots the whole time. Yeah. People get <laughs> looking. At the Coke nose, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody likes those. How how has the uh how have the iPhones changed your game? I shot Metallica's show at the Metro on an iPhone. Oh you did? Okay. The last one I used my iPhone because they only had two guys and they didn't want to have a bunch of people with gear running around. So, you know, they were like, dude, that's that and I'm like but I used it in the book. Oh so there's iPhone in the book. But what about everybody else in the audience with with iPhone? Does that ever fuck up your shot? Um, well, yeah, because there are p- people with their phones in the picture. You know, that's a really funny thing. When you look at the book in the very beginning, first off, there's nobody with fucking phones. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's hardly anybody with tattoos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at everything, there's like a, a bunch of fringe denim jackets, uh, torn T-shirts, hardly any tattoos, a few leather gauntlet wristbands, you know, and stuff like that. And then you go down the line, there's a, more skinheads, a little, you know, less T-shirts and one or two tats. And then all of a sudden there's like tats, you know, and, and things change. And and then all of a sudden you get to the 2000s, it's like cell phones. It's like devolution. Yeah, it's, you know, the pumpkins is a real interesting transition watching that because they have such a decades and decades of fans you know yeah gene you got any good enough's enough stories <laughs> oh, man. um yeah i thought you know derek used to come to my house a lot at uh-huh. four or five in the morning and he was you know derek the cab ditcher i mean that was uh he would come to my house party I he, I remember he'd come to the back door, banging in the back door, and tell me as 
before I would even get there. Don't turn on the light. Don't turn on the light while he's banging on the door. <laughs> and I'd let him in and, you know, I'd look out the window and there was a cab waiting for him. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so after the cab would leave, we'd have to sit in the dark half the night because the guy would know, you know, he'd keep coming back. Uh-huh. And uh, Derek and I just would party. And then in the morning, we'd go down to the Gold Coast and go to Hatsi Tatsi uh-huh. on Division <laughs> and start drinking and hanging out there. And then he'd go get his hair done somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Big part of his Wearing day. some girl's clothes. He found it, you know. He, he was always wearing some chick's clothes, you know. <laughs> That's pretty Gene, good. Is there, is there anybody you haven't shot that you wanted to? Um, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I always wanted to do, like, Michael Jackson and me would have been, like, really cool. Uh, Whitney Houston I would have liked to have done because I think she's, like, one of the like, greater singers. Uh, yeah, just looking at your Instagram, you, you have almost everybody who's who in metal from, like, 79 to 2025 or 23. 25. Yeah. 25. You got everybody on here. A lot of hair. <laughs> so who are your favorite non-metal bands? I think a lot of hard you what? Um, well, I actually, I like hardcore music a lot. I mean, that was, I actually want to, uh, I'm talking with the guy I'm doing this book with about doing a hardcore book of, you know, Agnostic Front, Murphy's Law, Fang, Corrosion, all, everything that goes down that, that road. Um, I have tons of that stuff. So uh, there, there's a few ideas that we're working on. What would be the name of that, that book? That, Pardon me? What would be the name of that book? Uh, probably Hardcore Photos. <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> you know, Hardcore, Punk, Hardcore Photography. I'm I'm not that mysterious about uh, books. No, there's got to be something, because Heavy Metro, a- Access All Eras, that's that's a good title. we got to keep up with, it's got to come up with uh, something. How about Hardcore in My Jeans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other hardcore, you know. Uh, right. So a hardcore book and then any, anything else? Um, well, we, we, we talked about doing a uh, uh, kind of a rap hip-hop book because I, I covered a lot of that in the time. Uh, there's talk about a hardcore book, and there's talk about an Aragon book. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's a few discussions going on. It's, you know, they're really expensive to make, so... Like the first one out the gate really didn't make any money. They kind of wanted to see how things were going to do with that. And it was kind of a testing. And so they're they're seeing what they want to do for the next project or two. But we're tentatively scheduled to do two more within the next year or so. So, Well, can people order the, the Metro book? Yeah, you can get, I supposedly, uh, I think it took a long time for it to get going right, but I think you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at the Metro website through the Metro web store. And there is also a link from the publisher called Dead Sky Publishing. Mm-hmm. And you can order it directly through there. Sounds great. People should get oh, it. Go out and buy a bunch, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, yeah definitely. Well, Gene, thanks for doing this. You know, you were, you're, uh, I wanted to shoot when you guys did the pandemic thing in the, uh, in the parking lot between uh, the G-Man. I wanted to come down there and shoot that. 
Why didn't you? I just really wanted that in the book, but I, I was all, I had missed it probably like a day. Uh-huh. I, I, <laughs> a day. I was one of those guys that went down there and bought all the Metro beers for cheap. So I, yeah. And yeah. I, things kind of slipped into a haze. So. I, but I remember that thinking, shit, <laughs> you know, that would have been really cool. So. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was fun. It was a it was a good good way to spend an afternoon. I'm yeah, so you guys just announced another one there, so I'll be hitting you up because I'd like to shoot, shoot that maybe. So please do that. Please, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Hi. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Good to see thanks. you guys. Thank hey, you. Gene. Great talking to you. I'll see you soon then. I get somebody who's in your wheelhouse and you spend half the time eating pizza. I, I don't know no, what to I'm, do. I, I, I'm so disappointed. I got, I got some stuff in there. Bullshit. No. <laughs> this dude is like from my, from, from my side of town. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't get to ask him if he ever shot Skunk Baxter. Oh. <laughs> 